Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast. So good to be back. For those who are unfamiliar with the LARCast, my name is Tony and I am joined by my surprisingly articulate Southern co-host, Russ. What's up, Russ? <laughs> Nothing like a good stereotype to get you going in the morning. <laughs> well, dude, cheers, man. Good to see you. Yeah, man. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers to the cheers to being back 20, 2022. Here we go. Speaking of stereotypes, I um I grabbed a cigar with um, our friend Nico Nieto on Saturday night. We went to the local spot over here, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he has a lot go- a lot of stuff going on in his life, mm-hmm. and but we ended up um chatting with a couple of other dudes who are like kind of like it's like a whole lounge, so it's like you got to get in where you fit in, and it's really packed. So you end yeah. up just in a bigger conversation with a number of other people. And uh, for those that don't know, Nico is just like you, you affectionately refer to him as the Colombian bear. Cause he is, he's like this huge six foot five, like yes. massive Colombian dude. And he has like the thickest accent. It like when I don't <laughs> hang out, when I don't hang out with him for a while, it takes me a couple of minutes to like jump in and like, all right, I, like I start to get in a rhythm, like, okay, I can, I can understand him. Um, but we were chatting quite a bit and he actually is a listener to the Larkast and he was telling me that Dude. how much he loves the Larkast and, and he's, he's caught up. He's totally caught up. Cheers and, to uh, him, man. Yeah. So shout out to, to Nico, but speaking of stereotypes, it was me, a Colombian dude, and then two black guys. We ended up in this larger conversation. Dude, we talked about racial stereotypes for like an hour and a half. Mm. And we smoked cigars and talked about all the political BS and all the like all the stuff, all the like talking points that are like trying to divide everyone. And we laughed our asses off for an hour and a half, dude. It was amazing. <laughs> Bro, that's cheers to that, man. It was great. It was cheers a great time. I've had I was like, similar- okay, so what are the stereotypes of white dudes? And they just went off for like 30 minutes. I was cracking up. Too good, man. Yeah, I've, I've, so much of everything that's out there, and we don't have to get into all this now, but if I feel like most of it falls flat when you get across the table from somebody or when you get, you know, when you get in a small circle, man, where you're, you know, smoking some cigars in a lounge. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's, you know, a real person and a real person and you get to, you get a chance to not take yourself so seriously. Yeah. And just start to laugh at some things, man. It's yeah, that's what my new friend Chris was saying. He's like, if if they can get us scared to like talk to each other where we can't have open dialogue, you know, then all this like fear kind of perpetuates in that, but it yeah. all goes away and dissipates when you're able to just like you know share cigars, share some laughs. Yeah, dude. Cheers to that. Cheers, yeah. Nico. Yeah, Such a class no, for act. sure. Such a class act. Always love that dude. So for those of you who are new uh, to the LARCast, I just want to explain to you like why we do what we do. You might be new 
you might have been listening to a few episodes and you're just new to this conversation, man, you might be a friend of ours for, for seven years. Um, but I just want to just briefly just say, why are we here? Like, why are we doing this podcast? Like, why are me and you right now recording this thing? And I just want to let everybody know that as a nonprofit ministry, Lark exists to help you, you, the person who's listening right now, and those you love experience the liberating freedom that comes from hearing and trusting the grace of God. In other words, we want you to be free. We want you to experience freedom. We want you to find the hope and joy in the freedom that Jesus brought to the world. And that's why we're here. Yeah. Cheers to that. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm not even going to say anything that covered all the bases. Yeah. And to also to remind you that this is not a freedom you need to achieve. It's not a freedom you need to work toward. It's not a freedom that's obtained after a long, treacherous journey of searching, studying, self-talk, or Mm self-reflection. It is a freedom that is already ours because it was indiscriminately and generously given to the world in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so Lark exists to explore the mysterious and mischievous depths of God's scandalous grace. And we do that through all kinds of stuff, right, man? Podcasts, books, eBooks, articles, videos, stories, conversations, events, and a growing community, all so that you can know that you are held by a love that will never let you go. Yeah. Yeah. In a day and time, man, where you can watch evil just prey on insecurity, Hmm. right? Whether it's in something as small as, you know, what goes on in your, in the relationship with your significant other to what's going on in the grand scheme of the world. There is something to be said, man, about people finding the only security there is in a love that's not going to let them go. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty freeing because I feel like if we've learned anything over the last year is that you burn out and burden people when you work towards freedom rather than from it. Hmm. You burn out and you burden people when you work toward freedom, like it's some goal to achieve instead of living from the freedom. That's a gift that we already have in the death and resurrection of God himself on a cross. So man, yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll get me going. I'll stop there. So man, we got a good podcast today, which is actually going to kick off a string of podcasts to have a specific focus. I don't want to uh, get into that just yet. Russ is going to introduce that. But before we get into that, a couple bits of news for you before we dive in, because the Larkast doesn't have any sponsors, sadly, we just have in-house announcements. The first is this, we've decided to move the Larkast to an every other week podcast instead of an every week podcast in order uh, to allow for you all to keep pace with our content. So the Larkast is going to still remain a place where Astonishing Grace and refreshing honesty collide, but it will now be for your bi-weekly encouragement and not your weekly <laughs> encouragement. And we do not have any plans to change the intro script to this podcast. So we're just going to have to live with it. Yeah. Just living with that one. And we do have some new content that will be coming out this year that we are, I mean, pretty, pretty stoked about. Yeah. And for I sure. think between uh, some of the new content that's coming out and some of the articles that'll be coming out this year, and the podcast, like there's definitely going to be some encouragement coming your way every week. 
Mm-hmm. It's just, this is going to be bi-weekly. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, you know, jumping off the bat, well, I'll just say my second announcement is connected to the first and that I want to encourage everyone to head on over to larksite.com slash resources, or even go over to our Instagram um, and check out the wide array of content we have there. I alluded to it earlier, but we have articles, books, eBooks, stories, creative videos, a catalog of podcasts, not to mention we've been doing Lark live every month and we're going to be kicking up the Lark tour where we're traveling around and heading to your city. Just people who have been listening, you know, to the podcast. So even though we've been gone for a month, we've already put out Jason Mitchell's story, which is right here on our Instagram. You can go check it out also on the website. And we just um, released reclaiming church an ebook that's been getting a lot of good feedback. So we've yeah, been putting out some content, even though we haven't been on the podcast. So there it is. Check it out. But we're moving to every other week. You know, when I meet people traveling around, they always ask, you know, what's going on, how they press in. I always say two things. One, Larkcast, you know, anywhere you listen to a podcast. Two, LarkSite.com. Mm-hmm. The Lark site, you know, it's just becoming a place that houses all this stuff, man. Right. So get get in on it. Get on it. All right, bro. So um introduce for us the aim and the re- the direction for our next string of podcasts um bring everybody into what we're going to be doing and kind of the heart and the reason behind uh this new aim yeah so we we got kicked off last year with the really just taking a hard look at what i would call just uh <laughs> the moralistic gospel okay the moralistic gospel this this realm of religion that has definitely somehow some way throughout the centuries has just been something that has in a sense, like buried the good news that God has declared in and through his son's death for our death. And I think seeing that, that moralistic gospel and all the effects of it, we, you know, we took a deep dive into religion and then said, you know what, what's at the core of this whole thing? Well, one thing, dude, is just a misunderstanding of what God is like. Most of us live our lives in good faith to the wrong God, to an imaginary God, to the God of our fears. And what we got a chance to do all last year, man, was unpack what 20 something parables, these stories from Jesus that expose this God of our fears as a fraud. Yeah. And shows us what he's really like. Mm -hmm. And then out of that, as you know, if you've been following with us, you know that we got a chance to press into different questions that people have in regards to that. And we found that most people like us struggle with religion. And what I mean by that is they struggle with this idea of this tit for tat conditional relationship with God and others. And we just kind of live in this constant state of fear and anxiety. And then of course the exhaustion and the division that we see um, that flows from that. Yeah. And as we were listening to these questions and going, man, it really is hard to grab on to this news of jesus like it was hard for his audience and it's still hard for us today like we just don't know what to do with freedom yeah and like i feel like we live in a time now where because we don't know what to do with freedom we we will bring god's name into it or we'll bring the name the word good into it but we we oftentimes are like really working for control man and every and everything we can yeah and it seems like the two avenues right now are either church or politics or a combination of both hmm we don't know what to do with freedom. So we got to create some type of structure and system to bring about the ideal self in society. Um, and out of that, man, just really got me thinking like, you know, what we got to do is 
let's take on all these various big topic items, man. All these things that seem to blind us, okay, from the reality that is in Jesus. Hmm. Uh, like, like these these different, you know, like the the tyranny of busyness, the tyranny of politics, the tyranny of romance, the tyranny of work, the tyranny of technology, that's, you know, the tyranny of parenting. Like now, when I say those things, I don't mean that there's not a good in all of those things I just mentioned. Because, sure. because okay? romance and work and, you know, all these, you know, parenting, these are good and beautiful things, mm-hmm. but they oftentimes get turned into a religion. Yeah. More times than not, um, especially in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they rob us, man, of what God's actually showing us and inviting us into in those things. Mm-hmm. And so as much as we got a chance to really bring about this picture of what God's like last year and then press into what freedom in that looks like, I think now we get a chance to take like a practical look at what freedom looks like in these various things that we struggle with, all of us, on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think that that's so, really important because if you've grown up in the church, you probably heard good news preached as it related to like where you're going to go when you die and it kind of just lived there you know it's like jesus lived (laughs) died rose again to kind of punch your ticket to the glory train by and by you know what i'm saying so that one day you can fly away into heaven and be kind of like welcomed by peter into the gates and then we kind of quickly moved away from the grace of god we moved away from the love of god into okay now the entire conversation is like Um, just focused on us and being just the most perfect people ever as it relates to every single category in life. And for us, we're like, man, like we want to connect God's liberating grace with everyday life. And that relates to how we parent, how we eat, exercise, like the media we consume, politics, Mm -hmm. all these things seem to be kind of like coming at us full force in society and in culture and kind of like demanding from us that we can form and live in a certain way. And so we can leave a conversation of good news and say, man, yeah, I'm free, but then get bombarded on all our social media and all of our relationships and all these, you know, media outlets or whatever we consume kind of demanding that we be certain kinds of people and constantly reminding us that we're falling short. And not only is it coming from the outside, we very much have something on the inside of us constantly reminding us that we are falling short at life altogether. And so how does this good news, how does this freedom, how does this liberation that Jesus has brought to us and to the world connect to everyday life? Because the inner lawyer, right? And the inner winner, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> like they're just not going anywhere. The, the law is written on our hearts. So we're always going to have this understanding of what real true harmony looks like what holiness looks like um it's 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 in us man that struggle is that the inner winner tells us that that we're nothing if we don't achieve that yeah god doesn't love us our neighbor doesn't love us right we won't get this job we won't land that car we won't get this girl we won't i'm just saying our our kids won't turn out to be blank you know we're going to retire and we're going to be dependent on the government you know there's a, a dude it's just endless what the yeah. inner lawyer and the inner winner collude within and you know with each other like what they bring about the the turmoil the tyranny that they bring about in all of our lives on a daily yeah. basis and it doesn't help because you have on one hand you have what you, you constantly have got speaking into that and saying yeah uh 
these things can be used for good if you understand them, but oftentimes, right, they just wreak havoc on us. But then you also have like this constant whisper from the enemy himself, like no different than what you see in the garden. He's just always whispering, you're not enough and you're going to miss out. Yeah. You're not enough and you're going to miss out. And it's kind of like, like, how do we respond? Like, what is our, um, what is our guilt management? system so to speak right. like how do the religion we, comes in <laughs> like in the light in light of that in a society that's you know demanding of us telling us to conform an inward lawyer that's constantly reminding us that we're falling short right. um how like how do we lay our head down on our pillow at night and convince ourselves that we're that we're good because i look out at a world right now that is very moral there's like goodness and morality is attached to everything, every yeah. product that's, you know, being consumed, every movement, every, it's like, dude, you can't even buy a, you know, you can't even buy a freaking pair of pants without contributing to some like global and societal good these days. Yep. And so we all know we're falling short and yet we're all convinced that we're good. And, but then the other other people are really bad, right? Yeah, it, it, the problems, it's like an onion when you think about it, you know, like you just keep peeling it. It's like layer after layer, you discover something, right? Something new, something else that we bought, you know, another lie that we bought here. And, but the more I look at it, it's like, it seems like everybody's with, from the work of the inner lawyer, that's kind of pointing our eyes upward. Um, Everyone seems to be grabbing on to what is good in the name of Jesus, but then we have this thing in us that goes about ignoring him and how what is good actually comes to be. Hmm. That, that seems to be where the religion comes in, because as you called it, the guilt management system, you know, now, now all of a sudden we're, we're, you know, we're creating every system and structure known to man to bring about the ideal self and society in the name of good and God. And meanwhile, I'm looking in the scriptures and going, yeah, you know who never said that? Jesus. You know who never once laid out a plan like that? Jesus. Hmm. Ever. You know who revealed the, the actual unbelief at the root of all that is done in the name of good and God? Jesus. Hmm. You know who sets us free from this? Jesus. And as much as we'll hear that and go, amen, it's like within five minutes, this fear of missing out comes from this fear that I'm not enough. And I'm grabbing some other book that's, you know, nine habits to becoming this in the name of good and God. Yeah. And, uh, and meanwhile, I'm looking at it going, yeah, dude, we seems to be, we, it's like, everybody's on this, uh, just like an endless hamster wheel. Hmm. And to be clear, myself included. Okay. Totally. Like I'm not totally. like, in any way, like, like I've arrived. Um, I think what, what I've been learning is to see it and recognize it. And then my, my life seems to be a, a constant journey of seeing it, believing it, forgetting it. <laughs> yeah. I think we have on here to, to bring good news because like, <laughs> like we love it. Like we enjoy yeah. it because we need it. It's so refreshing. It brings rest and it brings freedom to our law loving holy hustle hop on the hamster wheel we feel the pressure culturally we feel the pressure as dads um, as husbands mm -hmm. as neighbors you know all all that we feel that pressure and so you know this news brings relief to us as well
like if I think about my own story with it, uh, I definitely bought this idea that life was something that you achieve. Okay. If life wasn't a, a set of experiences that you have. Okay. In the short window that we have before the buy and buy. And so out of this, like this, not, like the, it's almost like to achieve became like the vision. And I see it everywhere. I see it in myself, a better self, a better society, you know, like in the religious, or I shouldn't even say the religious because religions are everywhere, but uh, within the Christian realm, you'll hear it like almost like uh, being the kingdom and bringing the kingdom. You know, you'll hear a lot about what we need to be doing, how we do that. And so out of that, I found that Jesus becomes a guide. Okay. So to achieve becomes the vision. Jesus becomes your guide. Uh, control becomes the goal. All right. And so the spirit, like, is like almost like this jetpack that you put on to help bring about control. Knowledge becomes the need. Right. I think that's why we're just constantly trying to consume more and more and more and more and more information. And then discipline becomes the means. Hmm. And it seems like if you're a popular within the Christian realm, it's because either your book is bringing about the knowledge that people need or you're bringing the discipline. Right. Or the tools for the discipline. Yeah. The programs. Yeah. The system. Sure. Yeah. And so out of the whole thing, though, really just it's no different than what you find in the rest of the world or what you find in the in the garden itself. It seems to just be the story of humanity. It's the the belief that God is not enough. My humanity is something to overcome. I'm going to miss out if I don't do this. And we either run down the road of independence and a better you with Jesus's help right? Quotation sure. marks, mm-hmm. or we can do it in the name of there is no God, but in either case, it's still the, the same self-reliant independent myth that we bought in pursuit that we're on. And, um, it just, it seems to be pretty crushing and, and hopefully, man, we can, we can point to a number of like real things and unpack them through, through a very practical lens so we can see what they are and see the ramifications of them where they can be good, where they can be dangerous. And naturally, most of all, what it looks like, man, to cling to the good news of the cross in that. We talk a ton about this, right? Instead of resting in something that someone else has done on our behalf, we need to then climb a ladder, ascend the hill, right? Move Mm -hmm. upward. And when we try to frame Christianity in particular as something that's aspirational, that it's really our story. We're at the center of it and we need to become something other than who we actually are. Like Christianity is all about becoming life's all about becoming there's irreligious and there's religious versions of that. Um, There's a philosopher called Paul Ricoeur and he called it the myth of the exiled soul. And he explains Mm, that we predominantly believe that like the soul and body are incompatible and separate the soul is not from here. It comes from elsewhere. It's divine. It's good. And that it's an exiled being that longs for its liberation. It's like classic dualism, material, bad, immaterial, good. But the problem is more that its roots are grounded in like a theology or an ideology of spiritual aspiration. We like to think that we've veered off the glory road as Ferde called it. If you've been listening to the podcast, we, we, um, we quote Gerhard Ferde quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We, call him, we call him the G we need to get back <laughs> on track. We need to get back on track in the glory road. And what's interesting is that in every way that that plays itself out, 
it might not come very explicitly like that kind of philosophical package I just kind of described. Mm -hmm. It comes more implicitly. But what's interesting, it's, it's always, it's always knowledge and subsequent behavior that flows from that knowledge is usually presented as the key to freedom. In other words, freedom is something you can achieve if you have the right thinking and the right practice. And I was reminded of, um, do you remember Arcade Fire, the band? Yeah, dude. They, they haven't put anything out in a really, really long time, but their album, Neon Bible, there's a song on there called My Body's a Cage. And it really, the song is about this sort of like dualistic, you know, like this, the soul that's in exile, trying to get back home, trying to reach back to this place of perfection and idealism. The lyrics go like this. My body is a cage that keeps me from dancing with the one I love, but my mind holds the key. Mm. And it's like every turn you can see how this this longing we have for freedom, this longing we have to convince ourselves that we're good, that we're right, that we're okay, that we've arrived, right? Mm -hmm. This, this constant searching, it always plays itself out. Um, and it can play itself out with Christianity. It can play itself out with working out with food, Mm -hmm with material possessions, it can play itself out in a variety of different ways. But it's interesting that knowledge is always, always the key. And the center of the story is always us. We're always the central figures. Like it literally is just selfishness and self-centered, you know, ness and a, a, a gross overestimation as about our ability to get ourselves out of the mess that we're in and to become these amazing people or to bring about, you know, this change. And what's crazy is that you can kind of mold, you can kind of mold the biblical story a little bit to fit that like exiled soul narrative, that aspirational narrative by saying that Adam and Eve are the central figures of the story. And they were pure in soul and made for Eden. They fell out of grace and brought all humanity with them, right? Hmm. reparations must be made we need to be restored the cross makes that return for us as possible as sort of like an aid or a help for us to get back what we were meant for and in in that way it goes back to what you were saying earlier jesus is a guide he's a help the trinity is somebody who comes down and helps me and my story get back to this place that i was meant to be i'm the hero and they're helping me as a guide. Yeah. And I think it, it's crazy because you can have this theology. We, we call it, we refer to it as a theology of glory. We have in the past in the podcast, mm-hmm. really just a theology of spiritual aspirations. Everyone's always talking about like grabbing onto Jesus to become something right. Or get yeah. somewhere. But the good news is, like the story of the scriptures is not that you can invite God into your life and thus become the best version of yourself with his help, but that God has invited us into his life. <laughs> the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is God taking on humanity. Yeah. The story of Jesus insists on being its own story, not a means to help us in our story. it's it is he is the central thing what he is doing is at the center 
And by his grace, he has invited us to come participate in it. So be careful how you're imagining how this Christianity thing goes. Is it something that you're inviting him into? I just saw a quote yesterday. It was like, um, what is God asking you to give up in your life so that the kingdom of God can break free in you or in the world or something? Oh and, like, and it was like, you know, we had a bunch of people over at the house last night. We gather every Sunday and we were just like looking at this. And I'm like, <laughs> I just pictured God like, yeah, man, I really would love to do some cool stuff in your life and in the world, but you just won't give up these Marlboro lights, bro. You just won't, you won't cancel that Netflix subscription. I just can't move in the world. I'm so bound. I'm so bound. <laughs> I'm so helpless. I wish you just quit ripping cigarettes so I could actually get some stuff done in your life. Oh my gosh, dude. It's <laughs> you a... can't make this stuff up, but that it's all over. It's yeah. all over this story yeah. of aspiration. We're at the center. We're aspiring. We're mm -hmm. becoming we're growing and God is constantly painted as the person who helps us get there. Yeah. It's not even just that he's painted as someone who wants you to get there. Yeah. I think that's the danger. Mm. What we find in the that's, story of Adam good. and Eve is we find a story of a God who's very content within himself. I think the whole breakdown, a lot of times, man, just comes from our inability to realize, you know, we were made in his image. Humanity, okay, was created by a maker. That maker made humanity in his image. And for some reason, our whole lives are spent trying to live differently than anything we find in the Trinity. And then we're thinking that somehow this is progress, this is success. Like even the things that we're painting is good. Like that quote that you just read, like you look at the life of Jesus and you find nothing, nothing congruent with that quote at all. Like it's just not there. He, you don't see him trying to overcome his humanity. Okay. And hopes to make God happy and achieve some aspirational version of himself. And then pointing to us and saying, yeah, I'm going to die for you to kind of get you started on this thing, you know, <laughs> but then the spirit's really going to come in and do the work. Meanwhile, Jesus is like, no, the spirit's job, literally Jesus himself tells us the spirit will tell you, he will testify to you the truth of me. Mm. But we, you know what I'm saying? We like, we, we miss that. So I think if you just back up real quick and go, okay, Adam and Eve, man, they're, they're, they're trying to overcome their humanity. They think freedom and fulfillment is found in doing this. God can't be trusted. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna really win at this thing called life, man, I gotta get after it over here. Hmm. And everything goes downhill from there. And as much as we try to blame them, name me one person who doesn't do the same thing. Right. Name me one person other than Jesus who didn't buy the same lie and hasn't spent their life, right? In the spirit of self-reliance trying to find freedom and fulfillment apart from simply trusting him. Yeah. Or, or have bought into the myth that knowledge somehow is better than him who is life itself. I went back oh. and so we're going through reclaim in our community and we just got done with reclaim eight. So I went back and I watched the reclaim video that goes with chapter eight of reclaim. 
Um, for those who are unfamiliar, Russ and I wrote a book. It's available on Amazon. And there's yeah. some, we, we created just like 10 to 15 minute videos that pair with each chapter. It's meant to be in not a replacement of reading it, but an ongoing part of the conversation. And in Reclaim 8, the way you said it was, Adam and Eve are literally in the shade of the tree of life, which Augustine said is typified in Jesus himself in the garden. We mm-hmm. literally had everything we needed, everything, everything we needed, and we could trust yeah. him completely and totally. And he was not holding back at all. Yep. And yet we are sitting under the shade of the tree of life and we can't stop looking at the tree of the, of knowledge. Yep. Yeah. And the, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, man, like ultimately it was about control. I got to know it all. They long to be central and essential. Yep. To be God, you know, again, placing ourselves at the center of this whole thing. But if you pull back, man, and just look at the life of Jesus, when God becomes flesh, you know, what, what do you find, man? You find that Jesus's way of being human is far better than, than our way of trying to be God. <laughs> that's, that's one thing you definitely, you definitely find. And he shows us what it means to live in freedom and to live a fulfilled life, two things that I think we're really after. He shows us that freedom is found in dependence upon the God who is our life. Okay? There's never been a single moment that you've ever lived independent of him. Yeah. You might think you have. Yeah. And you might pursue right. that with all your might. Right. But, but, it's, but reality check is, man, that's just a myth, dude. Hmm. All right? The freedom is found in dependence. He only has, we see this in the scriptures. He only has what his father has. He says this. He only does what he sees his father doing. I've heard a guy one time make a case that Jesus might not have been a leader because he's never coming up with his own thing and then pursuing it and calling everyone to follow. Dang. He says, I literally only do what hey, I don't tell see jo- my father doing. Hey, don't tell John Maxwell that. Yeah, yeah, Craig Rochelle's got a real hard time with <laughs> do, that one, dude. Do, do not, do not tell Stephen Furtick that. Right, but these are Jesus's words. He only right. gives what he, what his father has to offer. For in my father's house is this, and this is what I offer you, hmm. right? So we see that in Jesus. We also see like fulfillment wasn't in achieving; it was in dying. Hmm. It wasn't in gaining more. It was in giving himself away. And he's showing us this is what it means to be fulfilled. Mm. And he's showing us like, this is what I have in the Trinity. I'm God in the flesh right now. I'm showing you what it really means to be human because I'm the one that made humanity in my image. Yeah. But we're so arrogant, man. We won't stop and look at that myself included, but he shows us like, no, 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 no. Listen, um, Like when we look at Jesus, he's free from the need to be anything in himself. Think about that. He's free from the need to be anything in and of himself. He's the opposite of what we've been talking about. His self is not at the center of it. He keeps pointing right to this bigger picture. Hmm. You know, he, he's free to go wherever because he's not in need of what everyone else thinks of him. You know what I mean? He's free to accept whoever despite what the religious crowd and what the government crowd are saying to him, it's irrelevant. He accepts whoever wants to come. He's free to say whatever. He's free to do the unthinkable man in in the giving of his life. You know what I mean? For us. 
And so you pull back and look at this father, son spirit and what we can kind of learn about the, this Trinitarian God. And we're going, man, there's perfect acceptance within this. There's perfect trust of one another in this. There's perfect participation with one another in this. Hmm. And yet our whole lives are spent in trying to treat him as like a means to a better me over here. Yeah. And even doing yeah. that with other people. And it's like, dude, we're, we're in all of our pursuit to, to the better human life. We're failing to be human altogether mm. because to mm. me, like if we're made in his image, mm. perhaps we shouldn't spend our days trying so hard to live opposite of his ways. Mm. And so I think we see this in Jesus. We see freedom and what it looks like. We see fulfillment and where it's found. And I feel like I'm looking around at all the religions and I'm talking about like all the religious substitutes, you know what I mean? That we often grab onto that we bring Jesus into, you could say. Yeah. And I'm going, man, it just seems like it's all designed to move me away from this, hmm. not into this. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it like, all just becomes another, another means, another pathway, another way, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life singular and exclusive. And so I, I guess, you know, I just want to, you know, really anybody who um, might be listening here, maybe you fancy yourself as someone who is more irreligious. You've walked away from the story of Jesus. You're like, yeah, I don't want really anything to do with religion, but you found yourself, you find yourself bound up in all oh. kinds of other means and other ways to become the ideal self. Your story is still at the center. Or even in Christianity, which I think is very egregious to, to look at the story of Jesus and still find yourself at the center and you're using mm -hmm. him as a means. Is God participating in your story or are you a participant in his? And I think what we're yeah. seeing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as he invites us into this dance, this relationship, this reality that is God himself, it yep. draws us into itself and it demands that it be our only story, not part of our story, because it's him who is life. It's the one who made us. Yep. So he's drawing us into this, into this thing that should be exclusive. Our eyes should not be on our performance, our record, how we're doing and how, our, how we're progressing, but on him who loves us. So in other words, the cross demands that it be its own thing altogether, not a means to anything. And you see Paul really saying that in Galatians 2.20, where he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is mm -hmm. no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified. All my aspirations, all my life as I know it or want it to be is all crucified. I have mm -hmm. no plan B. I have no plan C. I have no anything other than just Christ and him crucified. In fact, I'm so trusting this to be my only story, my only, like just anything, the exclusivity of Jesus that I am identifying as dead, no longer existing in order that I might find myself in the story of his life, death, and resurrection. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And the life I now live, I live by faith. I live in trust and independence 
of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is not seeing Jesus as a means to anything, but he has seen himself as the only story worth telling in this world. Really, you could say the only actual legitimate story in the world. Yeah. Yeah, he does, man. Like, I know in, in just thinking through a lot of this before, you know, before recording it, I found that history reveals that every culture for centuries believed that a high view of oneself, okay? So for centuries, right? Cultures all over the world believe that a high view of oneself led to the social struggles, addiction, abuse, greed, racism. They all came from people having a high view of themselves, placing themselves at the center of the story. Okay. In postmodern society and what we find ourselves in today, it's kind of the opposite. We've been taught, you know, here recently that no, 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 no. Low self-esteem is actually the cause of all social struggles. Okay. But, you know, the psychologist Lawrence, you know, uh, Slater shows that there's actually no evidence for that theory. But what's crazy is how popular it is. Hmm. Okay. How popular it is. And I think what you're sharing about Paul is he was finding that neither, neither approach actually worked. It wasn't the low self-esteem that I need to have to find freedom and fulfillment and to really enter into what it means to live in this God that made me love me and saved me. Hmm. Okay. And he also showed, I feel like what he's revealing in the passage you've read is that it also isn't a high view. Okay. Of oneself that leads into that freedom and fulfillment either hmm. what he's actually declaring is it's uh it's the it's the understanding that the self has been made alive in the self of someone else yeah and he's now my life yep that i've entered the dance of god himself yep. i've entered into the life the fellowship of the trinity itself Mm -hmm. And man, the freedom and the fulfillment that I have found in this journey is unlike anything this world can offer. Yeah. Yep. It's um, because it's nothing to achieve. It's something that's already yeah. been done and gifted yes. to us. It's, it's something that's been freely, freely given because it's yeah. so crazy that you bring up the low self-esteem because, you know, when you meet someone who's kind of like self-deprecating, low self-esteem, it can come across as like humility. But really, mm -hmm. it's just pride and a focus on self disguised in like just being focused on your woes or your yep. inadequacies. It's still like, hey, look at, you know, look at me. And the beauty of what you're saying, that it's neither high self-esteem nor low self-esteem, but finding ourselves wrapped in and really found in the story of Jesus and the work of Jesus is what the reformers refer to as simul justus et peccator. We're simultaneously welcomed, mm -hmm. righteous, and justified. We're included in what God has done and is doing. Okay. But we're also at the simul we're also simultaneously broken and really freaking jacked up. We are at the same time loved mm -hmm. with a love that will never let us go. Righteous in Christ, hidden in him. His record counts for mine and simultaneously really, really broken. And what that allows me to do is it allows me not to be so overwhelmed with the hopelessness of what I actually got going on in heart, mind, body, and soul in this life, right? Yeah. As I look at myself, because I know that I'm welcome and loved by the, really the person in this world who's 
only the per the only opinion in this world that matters is his. And he has already said that I'm his and yeah. he's, he's included me. So it, it gives me, it gives me hope at the same time. It allows me to be honest. I don't have to, I don't have to pretend like I'm something other oh. than myself. I don't have to pretend that I'm crushing it in marriage, yeah. in parenting, in finances, in fitness. Uh, well, with the fitness thing, it's hard to pretend anyways, because, you know, people are, are watching <laughs> you literally grow out of your clothes, but, um, or right. ripping your pants. Um, you know what I'm saying? And so I have the yeah. hope of his love, but I can also be free to be completely honest. It's this beautiful mixture of, I don't have to live in la la land. I can tell the truth, but I'm not in total despair with that truth because I'm loved by someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Seinfeld, you know, in the old days, it's a Seinfeld show, man, when he was doing a stand up and he was talking about being naked, he was like, we love clothes because, you know, you can dress them up. You can change to this. You can change to that. You can always, you know, do something different to really hide the reality of what's underneath. He goes, it's when you're standing naked in front of somebody that you're like, well, uh, this is truly it. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do with it. Yeah. I mean, so. it's the it's the biggest fear, right? Like, how many times yeah. have people said, like, in their dream, I was naked at the front of a stage or classroom and I had to give a presentation or something like that. To be naked, to be exposed is the greatest fear. fear. And is. I think the story of Jesus just lays bare everything. Because it shows mm -hmm. all of our pursuits to become these our, our, our ideal selves. It's just a masquerade of broken people, like imagining themselves and parading as if they're not broken. Yeah. In front of a God who never asked you to not be broken. <laughs> In front of one who's never once asked you to overcome your humanity. Yeah. He descended to us. He does yeah. not ask us to ascend up to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, C.S. Lewis, I think he said it well, man. He said, uh, no man knows how bad he is until he's tried really, really hard to be good. <laughs> but, but for those of us that have entered into that in some form or fashion of what right. our tribe will accept, because I think ultimately we're fearful of being naked, man, because we fear the loss of acceptance, dude. Mm -hmm. That's why we're so obsessed with control, which is why we're so obsessed with any form of religion we can grab onto. All right. It's because we want the control because we fear the loss of acceptance because at the core we haven't really trusted that we were already home free before we even got started but i think you know just to highlight because you had brought up paul i feel like he's a good example of someone who learned what we've been learning what other people are learning as he looked to the life of jesus as he began to look at everything in and through the cross that he said that he came you know to die on that was his mission Man, when Jesus himself tells you his mission is to die, mm. that alone should make us maybe pay a little bit more attention to this, right? Than what we oftentimes do in the name of Christianity. But like in first Corinthians, uh, what is it? Like chapter three, the beginning of chapter four, he gives this perfect example of what happens when you grab on to reality in Jesus, that fear of on being on stage naked before others really starts to dissipate. Okay. In all the different categories that we throw into this mix that we call life. I mean, he, he literally goes on and talks about like the ego pride, you know what I mean? Being this, like this major issue and talks about how someone finding freedom from it. It's uh, he, you know, one of the phrases that he uses in, in Corinthians is almost like this picture of like, like a court. Okay. Like a courtroom. 
Um, it's almost like he's saying, listen, guys, the verdict is already in. I'm somebody in someone who made me hmm. and died for me. Okay. And rose from the grave to bring us into his very existence. You know, he says, uh, you know, low, you know, self-esteem or high self-esteem and all the disciplines and the knowledge that we, that we try to grab onto, to obtain it. He, he literally tells us in, in first Corinthians, it's useless. And on top of that, in verse four, he even goes on and says that the opinion of himself is irrelevant. He literally tells the Corinthians, I don't care what you think. He says, I think it's in verse four of chapter four. I don't care what the courts think. So he's like, I don't care what what this religious community thinks. I don't care what the political community thinks. He literally then goes on and says, I don't even care what I think about myself. That's the important one right there. Right? My, a clear conscience doesn't make you innocent, he says. Hmm. Society standards, okay, or your own standards are an unending slavery at best. Neither, okay, will ever lead to the freedom and fulfillment that you long for. Neither will lead to true humanity because they are always moving the bar, all right? Or you're always moving the bar. Mm -hmm. And here's the best one. And guess what? Both of them are an imaginary bar. They're both an imaginary bar. So like somewhere where he references this is in First Timothy, you know, he says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am am chief hmm. like we're not used to that mix of honesty and confidence yeah and the reason right. i think for that is because we're always judging others and ourselves in the means of trying to obtain and be right fill in the blank hmm. paul on the other hand says man i don't even connect my own shortcomings to my own identity i don't even care i don't care what you think i don't care what they think i don't care what i think it's all irrelevant my ego, my pride is irrelevant. And so it's like he starts to make this case where he, humility is not to think. How, how does he say it? Uh, I think maybe Tim Keller actually said it probably the best in, in summarization of Paul. He says, the essence of true humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. The essence of true humility, of freedom, you could say, is thinking of myself less. And that's what happens when we grab onto the verdict of it is finished in the death of Jesus. Yeah. This success driven spirituality, the achievement lists, the disciplines, all these things that we're grabbing onto to define the self. He's like, yeah, it's just an unending, an unending madness here. I wonder if based on a myth. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if the latter part of Galatians 2.20 is really Paul describing what it really means to be crucified in Christ. Yep. And so it's not like a, it's not a, a different thought. He's saying, I've been crucified in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Well, what does that yep. look like to identify as someone who's crucified in Christ? Well, the life I now live, I live by thinking about myself less. And I yep. live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, dude. That's why you're free to go throw some pain around, man. You're free to take a nap. You're free to take a trip. You're, you know what I mean? You're free to just go waste your time with a neighbor for the next year as you just show him what it looks like to just be a friend. Hmm. 
you know, you're free to, to, to give things away that you never thought you were going to give away. And, and you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to plan for it. You don't have to post it. Whoa. You're free. Yeah. You're free from all this. Just whoa, whoa, nonsense. Whoa. You know, it's, it's like, it's almost like he's saying the problem with the, with the tyranny of self, of self-esteem, whether it's high or low, is that you're always in the courtroom, man. You're never not on trial. Mm. And so Paul says, I found the secret to the freedom fulfillment that's found by awakening to the Trinity and to the life that we have in him because of the death of Jesus, not because of what we achieve, but because we've trusted in the death of Jesus for our own. Hmm. And it's this, it's a, <laughs> it's at the verdict's end and you're not guilty. He's not counting our trespasses against us anymore. The scriptures say. You've been forgiven and uh, come on, man, life, the truth, the way, the life, Jesus said, right? John 14, six is him. It's a person. It's someone we know. It's someone who died. It's someone who lives. It's someone who brought us into his life. That's called the mystery of the cross. So freedom, fulfillment, the life we're looking for humanity, true humanity, is found not in the doing or in the achieving or the striving or the trying or the toiling. It's found in the trusting of him. And we will be broken and we will be struggling and we will have issues because dude, that's just part of living on this side of the veil. But we'll do so as people who are already whole and already home and already free and already one with Jesus. And I think, yep. you know, we need to, we need to keep reminding ourselves of this reality. That's good, man. And I think if these next string of podcasts are anything, it's us saying, quit grabbing on to two-bit systems and saviors as, as pathways, uh, as streams uh, to achieve something that we already have in Christ. Yeah. And I think it's going to be encouraging, man, because these things are real and they are tempting. And they, I mean, the evidence is all around, right? We only just need better formulas than these. Oh, yeah. That's it. And we just need to keep like tweaking them as we go. And um, I think we're going to get a chance, you know, to look at the beauty in these things, but also see the ugly in them hmm. and see what it looks like to trust Jesus and find a way of enjoying them instead of being a slave to them. There's a way to really enjoy being a parent and there's a way to being a slave to it. Yeah, right. Man. Or, or romance or, I mean, exercise or technology or politics or whatever you want, man. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. If anything, dude, I'm looking to, I'm looking forward to it for my own soul. Because <laughs> the, the snake oil, man, is the, the, the people with the platforms that are selling the snake oil of religious recipes, they ain't going anywhere. Right. They ain't going anywhere. So, yep. We got to be able to cut through the noise and get yep. back get back to him whose life and the simple yeah. declaration that it is finished and find our confidence there yeah. so i mean i can't sum up the largecast any better just a couple of freaking broken ass dudes pointing everyone back to jesus yep that's it and uh may it always be man exactly may it always be uh, oh man if we're adding anything else to it it, it ain't going to be worth anything. No, no. So to that. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.